Megan, I have been using our sponsor Element, that's L-M-N-T, to boost my hydration for over a month now, and I'm really loving it. I'm just not very good at drinking plain water, and I love the taste when I pop one of these little packets, I like orange or grapefruit, into a big bottle of water. It's kind of fruity and salty, and it just helps me hydrate better overall. Element is a zero-sugar electrolyte drink mix born from the growing body of research that shows the best health outcomes occur with higher sodium levels. Each little pack delivers a significant dose of electrolytes, but minus sugar, artificial colors, and other iffy ingredients. Element's flavors are so unique, like fruity watermelon salt and spicy sweet mango chili. And we're going to set our listeners up with a variety pack so you can find your favorite. Right. You can receive a free Element sample pack containing eight flavors with any drink mix purchase when you purchase through our custom link, drinkelement.com slash momhour. That's D-R-I-N-K-L-M-N-T slash momhour. This offer is available exclusively through our partnership and is available for both new and returning customers. And if you're an Element Insider, you'll have first access to Element Sparkling, a bold can of sparkling electrolyte water. Again, it's drinklmnt.com slash momhour. Hi, I'm Sarah. And I'm Megan. We're two moms with eight kids between us, from little to grown. We're in different areas of the country and in different stages of life. But we both know that motherhood's a lot easier when real moms share tips and encouragement. And remind you that it's really all going to be okay. We're not experts. We're parents who've been there. We're not perfect. We're real. Welcome to the Mom Hour. Hey, everyone, and welcome to episode 278 of the Mom Hour. I am Sarah Powers, here as always with Megan Francis. Hey, Megan. Hey, Sarah. Glad to be here. Yeah, so we have kind of a big topic today, um, and I'm laughing because as we started talking about this topic, which is how to recover when you lose yourself, lose your mind with your kids or just when you lose it and you lose your cool, I'm reminded that our very first episode of the Mom Hour, episode one from March of 2015, was about mom meltdowns. So Mm -hmm. if, if... a COVID has taught us nothing. It's that some things don't change, right? <laughs> like, yeah, some things don't change. And and I think that, I mean, when we talk about losing it, it can mean losing your cool. It can also mean losing your mojo. Like it can mean mo- like losing your fire or your energy. I think there's so, we were laughing because there's so many ways to lose it. <laughs> and I yeah. think we're going to dig into some of those today. But like for some of us, it's like the, you snap at your kids in a moment of, um, and I believe that very first episode, we t- maybe talked about like a time that I had a kid in the fair bathroom or something mm-hmm. who went to the bathroom and didn't come out for a really long time. And I lost it on his siblings, um, who all ditched him in the bathroom. It was just like a really bad situation at the fair. But anyway, that's one of those, like you lose your cool, like you freak out and you then yell. there's some, you yell, um, and then there's sometimes the like slow and mm-hmm. just like gradual loss of any interest in anything or whatever. Mm-hmm. There's just so many different ways to lose it. And we've all been there a lot. And the good news is you can recover. And sometimes recovery looks immediate and sometimes recovery takes a while. Um, and so yes. I know we've got, we've definitely both got stories uh, and maybe some tips around some of that as well. Yeah. Well, and as you're talking, I'm thinking, I think the way that I lose it with my kids and and my spouse and my family in general has changed so much as they've gotten older. Um, I do think that the short fuse and the yelling 
happened a lot more for me when my kids were little and I maybe I was sleep deprived maybe I just was like more at my wits end um maybe it'll come back maybe when I've got three teenagers I will be that will be my mo of um melting down but I feel like yeah as we explored this there are so many other ways that I, I still lose it and I still need to recover so we're hoping today's episode will will focus as much on um, how to be gentle with yourself and how to recover whatever your your version of losing it looks like. Because in in 2020, we have not always been our best selves, any of us. I mean, I know that just from being on the internet, right? Like moms feel feel bad about just the the stress that we're under and taking that out on our kids. And it's a bummer that we even have to have this conversation. But um, I think it'll be a good one. So Sarah, we both know this time of year can be crazy. So this is a great time to get ahead with no prep, no mess meals from our sponsor, Factor. I love how these meals are ready to eat and delivered right to your door. I mean, you can't beat that convenience, but most importantly, they're seriously delicious. Yeah, Megan, I agree. Our whole family was impressed with the quality and flavor of Factor meals we tried. And it turned out to be a great option for my teenagers when they got home late from a theater practice or came home from school super hungry. There's zero prepping, cooking, or cleaning up. Factor meals just need to be heated for about two minutes and they're ready to go. Yeah. And for any listeners with wellness goals this month, Factor has six menu preferences to support your lifestyle. Whether you're trying to boost your protein, avoiding meat, or simply focusing on well-balanced meals. And you can pause or reschedule deliveries to fit your lifestyle. Make today the day you kickstart a new healthy routine. Head to factormeals.com slash momhour50 and use code momhour50 to get 50% off your first box plus 20% off your next box. That's code momhour50 at factormeals.com slash momhour50 to get 50% off your first box plus 20% off your next box while your subscription is active. Okay, Megan. Well, over here at the Mom Hour, we are big fans of our sponsor, Our Place. In fact, you, me, and our team member, Katie, were all comparing notes on our favorite product. Katie was telling us that even though she's packing up to move her family to a new house, she cannot put that mini perfect pot from Our Place into the boxes yet because she's using it like every night. Well, as someone who also has a perfect pot, I got mine as part of their mini home cook duo set. I get it. It's nonstick, which is key, but it also has all these handy features like a steam release lid with a built-in strainer and this nice beechwood spoon that nests on the handle in this perfect little peg. Okay, well, I didn't get this pot, but now I want it. That sounds so great. Our Place's cookware is great to cook with, beautiful to look at, and healthier for us as well. All of Our Place's products are made without PFAS, also known as Forever Chemicals. In addition to their cookware and tableware, Our Place is also making waves with their Wonder Oven, the most stylish all-in-one air fryer and toaster oven. Again, free from the forever chemicals found in many of those air fryers. Listeners, Our Place offers a 100-day trial with free shipping and returns, and we've got a great deal for you. Go to fromourplace.com and enter the code MOMHOUR at checkout to receive 10% off site-wide. That's from our O-U-R place.com code mom hour. Okay. So like we mentioned, um, losing your cool and yelling at freaking out at your kids, I think is something all moms have experienced. And we'll touch on that for sure. But um, there are other, other ways of melting down. And I had one recently that I'll just tell a little story. Um, it was the first day of school, the first day of mm-hmm. virtual learning school. And 
this is a story of me crying in front of my kids, by the way, which doesn't happen very often. I am not a public crier uh, and I don't cry a lot in general. So my kids haven't seen me cry very often, but Violet was in online school and was doing her very best. She was trying so hard. Um, It was going okay. But you know, that first day is like, it's so fraught. I'm sitting across the table, like hoping it all goes well. She's trying her little hardest in second grade. Um, And she had an experience in the later part of the day um, with a teacher who's not her main classroom teacher, someone else on the Zoom. Um, She was getting fidgety and I thought it would be a good idea to hand her a fidget, something to fidget with her hand. So I brought her some kinetic sand on a little tray um, just for just to kind of have something tactile, because when kids get fidgety, they can focus better sometimes when they have something to do with their hands. And I didn't think anything of it. Well, the adult on the other end of the Zoom called her out by name and asked her to please stop whatever she was doing with her hands and make eye contact with the camera. And the way this was delivered by the other adult was not like the way you'd talk to a new kid on their first day of school. It was like the tone of voice where you'd talk to like a kid who was always kind of not focused. The naughty one. You know? Yes. Yeah. (laughs) Yes. Um. And I was right there off camera, of course, like I was across the table and her face, she is triggered by embarrassment anyway. Like she actually gets embarrassed being singled out, even if it's not, even if it's positive, let alone negative. So she is very triggered by embarrassment or perceived embarrassment, getting in trouble. I mean, this was like, this could not have been a higher stakes. Yes. Yeah. Um, And then it was also, it was not the classroom teacher who she'd been hearing from for the rest of the day. It was a new adult to her. um, And it was in front of the rest of the kids on Zoom who she doesn't know. It was, I mean, talk about like firing up your mama bear instincts. Like, it was quite honestly, it was kind of out of line, but that set aside, it was so upsetting to her. So her face just crumpled and she just cried and she kind of slunk off camera off to the side. And I took her out to the other room and we just kind of like were on the floor and I just wept. Like I, mm. what I'm probably like going to get emotional telling the story. I didn't think that it would be that upsetting to me, but something about seeing your kid unfairly called out and then seeing and you their reaction. you usually see that happen. Like usually that would happen in school yeah. and you wouldn't see it. And they might tell you about it later, but you'd probably think like, oh, it wasn't that bad. Or you would, oh, totally. you know what I mean? Downplay it a little bit. And that's so, it's so almost, almost like, um, so unusual, but also so valuable that like you saw yeah. that, you know, anyway, sorry. Continue, yeah, no, but. no. And it, you're, you're right. It would have been, if she'd come home and tell me I got in trouble for not paying attention in class, I, I probably would have been like, well, like, yep, <laughs> good, yeah. you know, pay attention, you know, and I'm, I'm always here like supporting the teachers and on the side of the teachers. And I, I for sure don't want to coddle my kid, but this felt particularly raw and kind of unnecessary on the first day of school in the, yeah. in the delivery. And I will say, I heard the delivery. This isn't hearsay. Like she told right. me what happened. I, I heard it. So I, I heard the way she was spoken to and I saw the reaction. So anyway, that was a long lead up to now we are on the floor, like kind of kneeling and I am full blown tears coming down my face, weeping, which oh. took me even by surprise. And that kind of shows you like how much buildup there was to this first day of school wanting it to go well it's a new school we're online we're on the zoom um and violet noticed that i was crying i mean right kind of right away and so her tears shift from like you know she's upset legitimately herself to now like 
Oh my oh gosh, no. mom What's is happening upset. to my mother. Yes. And so that is a tricky thing. I think when our kids see us vulnerable, and that can include weeping, but it might also include yelling or um, stomping. I mean, I think when you're angry, that's that's a, that's vulnerable too, in a different way than being sad. Um, and she was so like kind of sweet. I could tell it wasn't scaring her. I think for some kids, if they haven't seen mom meltdown, um, it can be upsetting. And that's why recovery is important because we may need to th- later have a conversation with our kids that helps them process what they've seen. But she was just very kind of intuitive about it and very empathetic. It's not surprising that she is an empath. She's very emotional herself, but she's also very empathetic. Um, and I, I just kind of, I did not have composure. Like I was not in a place to be like, Oh, sweetie, mommy's going to be okay. I'm just a little sad. Like I couldn't even really explain my own emotion to her in that moment. So we just, we just kind of like sat there on the floor and cried. So then moving on to recovery, um, she, she kind of slunk back in toward the end of class and, um, she didn't get called on or didn't really have to participate. So we made it through the rest of that class. And then I want to say it was lunchtime next or it was some kind of break. And we just came into my bed and we just both, I said, do you want to just go snuggle in bed? And we just crawled into bed and we didn't say much. And um, I just kind of, I don't remember the exact words that I used, but I kind of made sure she was okay about having seen mom cry and um, just say that, you know, I can be sad and still know that we're going to be okay. It's going to be okay. You know, I don't want you to think that because I was crying, I'm, you know, lost for right solutions. Like, I, I know that mom we'll get goes through down this. Circling right. the yeah. I wanted her to know that those, like, tears can coexist with also resilience. Um, right. And I wanted her to see that, like, we are going to go to school again tomorrow and we are going to try again and it is going to get easier. Um, All that can coexist with like, wow, that was really hard and Mm. really like a terrible feeling. So I guess I wanted to tell that story because first of all, it's a very different kind of losing it than me for for typical Mm. for me is more the anger, frustration or the yelling than to have like that kind of a breakdown. Um, But also that the, the recovery kind of happened the same day and it what didn't have to be some big conversation or some big thing i just kind of made sure that we had space to process what had happened and it wasn't immediate cuz she did have to go back to that class but it was maybe right. an hour later um yeah so yeah. there you go <laughs> well i have a couple thoughts about that the first one is um that tears can come in a lot of different ways in front of kids and i've been you know surprised over the last 4 or 5 years how freely I have cried in front of my kids at times. Mm. I think something about, you know, just being in your forties, um, getting divorced, like there's just been a lot of emotional up and down. And and a lot of me has kind of lost and my kids are getting older too. So I think part of me has kind of lost that feeling. Like I have to always hold it all together all the time and never Mm -hmm. break. Um, and so I have cried in front of my kids and like the, you know, I've, I've seen my kids look at me and be like, mom, are you crying? I'm like, yeah, you know, it's okay. Like, like I will kind of even laugh sometimes while I'm crying or like we'll listen to like a sad, you know, musical show tunes album mm-hmm. or something in the car and I will really cry really hard during certain songs. So like Dear Evan Hansen, I basically yeah. cry for like the last half of the yeah. And oh, I gosh. don't even tr- I don't even try anymore to not because I want them to know it's okay that like uh-huh. I can show emotion and then they can too. And it's kind of funny how different kids have different reactions to that. Like Will is already kind of um He's already sort of melancholy. He's kind of like wired that way. And he spent 
a summer vacation four or five years ago, basically weeping in the car the entire time to a Broadway musical soundtrack. So he gets Aww. it. Like, yeah, he but gets then, it. Yeah, he gets it. But then there's other kids who are looking at me like, Owen, who does not show emotion. It's just kind of looking no. at me like, oh boy, <laughs> here goes mom again. But I want them to see that, like that it can be, like you said, not scary. Like I can cry and it doesn't mean I am deeply depressed and I'm going to go cover my head with the covers and never come out. Like, yeah. I'm still functioning. I'm still getting stuff done. And I think that's actually a really good lesson. So yeah. I like that. Um, my question for you is, do you feel like the fact that you cried, she obviously knew you were crying in empathy for her. Mm-hmm. Do you think that made it somehow easier for her to kind of like get back up on the horse? I almost feel like it could give her like a like a val- like feeling really validated and like okay, you know, mom's also sees how unfair that was. Yeah. So I do. now I can face it again. I do, and I had to kind of I I really had to kind of think on my toes because I've been such um I've always wanted my kids to like have their school experience separate from me, not intervene if there was, you know, if they were got in trouble in class or, you know, I wanted them to be held to the rules of their classroom and not be the mom who um, sabotaged that by being, you know, saying things like, well, that teacher is really unfair. And like, here I am now in this, in this crazy online school environment where we're not really supposed to be hearing. It's not normal for me to be hearing the way a teacher talks to my kid. But now I've, I have, I have heard it and I felt it was unequivocally unfair. And I can't say that about very many school experiences for my kids. Um, so I was like in completely new waters. So to, to answer your question, I did want her to feel validated and I wanted her to know that I thought that was unusual. That was not mm. the experience I expected her to have on a first day of Zoom school. But I didn't want to make such a big deal about it that now it's like now we're we're ganging up on this right. one teacher, this one experience. And a couple of people that in my real life who I told the story to said, well, are you going to say anything to the school? And I, you know, I didn't because for a couple of reasons. One, it wasn't her main classroom teacher. If this was the teacher she was spending three to four Zoom hours a day with who was put in charge of her care for the year, it would have been different, but it wasn't. It's a a teacher she only is with like for 30 minutes a week or something. So that was a big factor. The fact that it was the very first day and we hadn't given it a, another chance was another factor. And the fact that she had overall a pretty good experience with the rest of school, like I I could tell it like that one moment wasn't going to mean that she didn't want to go the next day or didn't have a good time in her other classes. So I decided not to, do anything about it. But yeah, it was tricky to help her feel validated without then like making it seem like I wanted to gang up on the school with her. Like right. school's terrible. This was a worst yeah. day ever. Well, like because then then you could really create even more of a problem. But I yeah. but I do think I do think that again, we all know like that is unusual, but you have and I have and every kid and adult out there has a story of a time in their lives when someone was really mean and unfair to them. And because they spend so much of their life away from us in school, it stands to reason and they write and they encounter so many new people in their lives when they're in school that it stands to reason that a large portion of the experiences, the negative experiences they have like that are going to happen there. Not, this doesn't mean they're happening all the time. It's just that they happen. And you, you were just offered this rare window into seeing it, which you usually would not. And by the time Violet would have gotten home, she probably like all the emotion would have gone out of it. And she, you know, like, so you just, it's like, um, it's a rare opportunity to see it and also kind of like unnatural 
Yeah, it, <laughs> like, it did feel unnatural. It felt like this, yeah. this, like I shouldn't, I shouldn't have been here for this, this moment, but yeah. I was. And then, yeah. And I guess to bring it back to recovery and then we can move on. Maybe one of the things we can help do when we recover from meltdowns is help our kids form the narrative of what happened, whether it was something that involved them directly, in this case it did, or maybe whether it was just what they saw. They saw mom lose her mind or they saw a fight between two parents or whatever it is. Um, Because especially little kids, I think, do need our help shaping the story of if Violet were going to tell that story two weeks later when the emotion was gone and let's say, you know, her aunt is visiting and wants to hear how the first day of school was, how is she going to tell that story? Um, We can help them frame it accurately. Like that felt really embarrassing and that felt really unfair. And mommy cried and you cried and that made the first day really hard and or but Uh, The rest of the day was pretty good. Um, We decided to give that class another chance. And it turns out that that class is not our favorite, but it's going okay. Like, what are the what's the narrative we want our kids to be able to tell about this meltdown? Um, And if it doesn't involve them, maybe it's like mommy had such a hard day at work and didn't get much sleep last night. Um, And whenever we're tired and hungry, sometimes, you know, we don't show our best selves. So like giving them language to explain what happened, I think, Mm -hmm. is part of recovery. And that's not always easy because sometimes we're dealing with it ourselves still, right? Like we are the ones who who are, or we don't even have that narrative straight for ourselves yet. Yeah. Oh, that's big. Well, let's move on (laughs) to our, I know, let's move on to our next one. And that is my very, my very personal favorite version of losing it. And that is yelling like a lunatic, like just completely like becoming yelly mom. Um, and I know you said this is you as well, Sarah. I mean, I feel like this is all of us, right? Like I know very few, I know a small handful of moms who the more, uh, furious they get, the quieter they get, which I think is like an evil um, genius of its own, but I am not one of those. Um, I have kind of, I'm, I'm I'm a good projector. I have a big voice to begin with. Um, I have five kids and four of them are boys. And as a group, Mm -hmm. they could be very, very loud and rambunctious and, I've typically lived in houses where they've been kind of spread out. So early on, I just developed this mom belt. A (laughs) bellow. A mom bellow. bellow. Yes. And it's like the way I, you know, and my kids will tell me sometimes like when you, when you call me in the morning to, to wake me up, like that my voice like startles them and it's not, I'll, and I'll even be with a really pleasant voice. It's not, I'm not even yelling. I'm just projecting. And even, even my most pleasant projected voice can be quite loud and um, can really travel. So add to that frustration, add to that something happening, whether it's a toddler running out in the road. I have a, oh my gosh, I have this memory of not a toddler. It was Halloween and Owen was just old enough that I felt comfortable letting him be on one side of the street while I was Mm -hmm. on the other. So it was like Owen was on one side of the street with his older brothers and I was like kind of pulling up the rear with Clara who was much littler at the time and Owen was probably seven or eight. Old enough I felt like to know to stay on the sidewalk. Yeah. But he got really excited and just cut between two cars and started running across the street Mm -hmm. um, like after dark, like it was just dusk and there's car everywhere. You know how Halloween is. It's like cars everywhere. And I lost my mind. Like, not only was I yelling, I was outside. And it was Halloween. Mm -hmm. There were people everywhere. And I'm like, (laughs) 
I can't even remember what I said. Like, don't you ever do that? What is wrong with you? There's cars everywhere. <laughs> what are you can't thinking? You what yeah. are you thinking? You could have died. Like, I sound like a mom in a movie, but yeah. I mean, it was just insane. And then, but like, that's that was like a very extreme version of kind of for years, what was my default yelly mom status. And yeah. I had to, when I would start worrying that the windows were open. <laughs> yep. Oh, yeah, like, I've been there. Yeah, then I would think, okay, so it's time for me to rein this in. And there, let's talk about, like, recovery for that. Because I think when you've lost it to that degree, when you are freaking out, um, there's two ways you can handle it depending on why. And so in the case of Owen running in the street, and also when I yell at Owen, he is not someone who shows a lot of emotion, but that would make him kind of shut down. And yeah. he would, like, you know, his eyes would fill with tears and he would look really angry. It was, like, angry tears. Uh-huh. Um, but he'd get very quiet and, like, skulk away. And it was terrible. Like, he was the the one that I always felt the worst about like yelling at. Like a puppy at. that you yelled yes. at. <laughs> yeah, but, like, an angry puppy. <laughs> so um, I, in that case, I always felt like the right thing to do was just to, like, immediately give a big hug and say why I did it. Like, why I was so scared. Like, that it terrified me and that that was why I yelled. But it wasn't excusable. But that was why. And then we could talk about it. That, to me, was always a little easier to recover from than I'm just mad. Yeah. I'm just mad because nobody picked up their toys. I'm just mad because because the, the anger... I felt took longer to dissolve than the fear. Mm-hmm. The fear anger is yeah. one thing. It's there and then it's gone immediately for me. The like that slow build anger where it's more justifiable to be really irritable, but like the build is slower and then the right. and then you hit the you know, you hit the roof and then you come down slower. And that I have found is harder. Yeah, and the from. offense, the offense that causes the nobody listens to me and nobody's picking up their toys yelling, the the actual straw that breaks the camel's back there is is a relatively minor offense. Right. Whereas when you're when you're truly scared or in a moment of fear, the the offense was sort of legitimately shocking. Like he really could have gotten hit by a car. It was quick. Doesn't mean that you doesn't mean the yelling was your first choice or anything, but it was like um the cause and effect was more clear maybe. Right. Mm-hmm. Whereas when it's a build um, and you're chronically frustrated, chronically sleep deprived, um, not don't have a good outlet for processing your emotions like so many moms don't right now, then that yelling can seem like you yelled at a kid for not clearing their plate after lunch when really it's about something bigger. And that's right. probably, you're right. It probably is harder to harder to recover from. Yeah. And I think it's the, like you said, it's the shocking nature of it and it's the novelty. I mean, it's not like Owen was going to run into the street every day, 17 times a day. Now, if he was doing that, that would become both a fear and like an irritation thing. But when it's like something they don't really care to fix, when it's a behavior, they don't seem to have any motivation to change, to make you happy. Right. It's, it's both an ir- it's like a constant irritant, but also like, how do you forgive it? It's harder to like have that moment of, oh my gosh, I can't believe I yelled about that because you can believe you can believe it very easily because <laughs> you know what got you there. Yeah. But you're right. The kid is not going to see the, the validity, even if you feel valid in your frustration. So let me just offer something that I am sure I have said multiple times before uh, when we've talked about this. But when you add on the shame and guilt on top of the thing that has actually transpired, Mm. um, I think 
it can really get in the way of that healthy recovery. Because, like, let's be really clear. All moms melt down in front of their kids and all moms yell at their kids, period. I mean, I, I guess, like, I'm willing to be convinced otherwise, but I've never seen it. I've never met a mom who didn't lose it with her kids, yell at her kids and feel bad about it. It's a universal experience. And I think when when we buy into the narrative that that equals being a bad mom or being a bad person um, or messing up your kids or fill in the blank of whatever you're whatever you are worried that this moment means in the larger context, I think it can get in the way of moving forward. So not to get all like, I don't know, therapy well, Brene the, Brown the shame, on us. But, it's the shame spiral, right? Yeah. Like when you feel that shame because you think you're the only one or you ruined your kids, it's hard. It's you're defensive. It's harder to mm-hmm. bounce back. Like you either want to double down or you want to feel bad about yourself. And neither of those are the right solution. I don't think. Yeah, exactly. So that's what I was just going to offer is as best we can practice, like immediately forgiving ourselves or maybe forgiving is not the right word, but just acknowledging that this is like a human thing that happens. Um, You can, you know, you can call it like a bad day or I messed up, but that doesn't equal I'm a bad person. I'm a bad mom. So, um, yeah, I guess let's talk a little bit more about recovering from a big a big yell. I mean, I I typically stop as soon as I can right after and be like, "Wow, that isn't probably how I want to handle that situation." Um, I apologize for yelling. I do feel really frustrated that you didn't pick up your toys or I do feel really frustrated right now, but there's a better way I could have handled that. And then I kind of leave it at that. It depends on probably my kids' reactions. If I when they were littler, they would cry. If I yelled, they would cry and I would feel bad. And sometimes I'd have the thing where the kid that I was yelling at kind of was more of the deer in the headlights but then the other the Mm. siblings would cry and then it's like it's even worse because they're just the audience they didn't even get yelled at right they just feel (laughs) sad that mom is so mean or they feel empathy for their sibling who got yelled Mm. at and then it's just like you just feel terrible so I think um as much as we can practicing just forgiving ourselves quickly so that we can do the next thing and for me that's usually kind of a brief apology and then taking stock of what needs to happen next. What needs to happen next to break this cycle? Do I need a break and need to put on a show for them? Um, Do we need to talk about it more? And I think as my kids have gotten older, they they can be part of the solution. If I am genuinely at my wits end because of something that they are contributing to, then we can talk about that. But I try to first let them know that that's not how I, that's not how I would have chosen to to talk like that part I apologize for. And then now let's, let's get to the issue at hand. Yeah. I think when mine were little, like two, three, four, five, maybe even six, seven, like it was more like a sit down immediately, sit on the floor. If I had to big hug, snuggle, I'm sorry. You know, mommy is very frustrated. Mommy's very tired. Like whatever the thing was now it looks a little bit different. Like if I lose it on my kids at this point and yell, um, things have really, things have really taken <laughs> They deserved it. They, no, well, I'm just kidding. <laughs> it's more like something is going really, really wrong and it's probably not me. It's, it's probably not my problem. It's probably, it may be that I am a little tired and it may be that I have a lot of frustrations that have built up to this thing, but I can keep my cool pretty well now because my kids are older and, and it's not that low level, like pile on irritation. So if I get to that point now, it's like, either they're messing with me. So this is a thing you have to look forward to um, when your kids are all like preteens and teenagers is that they will start to kind of gang up on you and mess with you. 
and uh-huh. that is extremely frustrating to me because it feels I feel like I'm not part of the gang. I, I know like yeah. it's like such a like yeah. probably a type two thing, but like um like I feel like they have it in for me and I'm on the out and like I they're making fun of me or I'm ridiculous and I can't quite figure out what's going on. Like like there's a the script that I have not been well, like a memo that I haven't had like a chance mm. to look at or something. And that can feel really isolating, especially as a single parent, um, because mm-hmm. I feel like it's them versus me or they're ganging up on me. And they sometimes just think they're being funny. So yeah. it's, it's usually like, I'll have to say, guys, this, this really makes me feel bad when you do that. That's kind of mean. Like you can't, you know, I know you all think it's funny. Like you have this inside joke against me, but then you pile that on top of the fact that no one did the dishes when I asked them to. Right. And that there's like socks wadded up all over the floor and that you're on the computer when I told you not to be or whatever it is. Um, it's not okay. And so now if I yell, I'll still say, sorry guys, that was out of line. But hey, like this can't happen. This needs to change. I shouldn't yeah. have to like yell. I shouldn't have to yell. And that's something I say kind of a lot now. Like I really mm-hmm. shouldn't have to yell to get X, Y, and Z. And yeah, I don't want to put it on them that I'm yelling because the truth is I don't have to yell. But the other side of the truth is um, a 16-year-old is old enough or a 14-year-old or even 11-year-old is old enough to do something when asked nicely the first yes. two times. And really the fact that I feel like yelling is the only way to get their attention is a problem. And so I will right. I will phrase it that way. It's not that I yeah. literally had to yell. It's just that no one paid any attention to me until I yelled. And yeah. and it's legitimate. Like I feel like my beefs are more legitimate in a way now, which is kind of a nice feeling, honestly. Because yeah. I am still yeah. losing it, but it feels so it feels so justified. <laughs> yeah. No, I, I could really see that. And I do think I'm kind of like transitioning into that next phase. Um, Before we go to break, I just want to offer one other thought on yelling in the early years um, is, and this is like that annoying advice you don't want to hear, but preventive measures or preventive self-care can really cut down on the number of times in the day you feel like yelling. Um, And so yelling is for sure something that we can talk about recovering from it and not feeling guilty about it, but also the the preventive measures to not not make it so that you never yell, but so that you feel like you need to yell less and then you have to do less of this recovery. Um, things like making sure that you are getting as much rest as you can given your, your stage in life. Um, things like making sure you have adult connection outside of the realm of your children, whether with that's with your partner or, you know, girlfriends virtually or like a book club, um, making sure that you are hydrated and nourished, yeah. you know, these things that we know, but they, they don't work as a bandaid. It's kind of like when, like, it's like meditation, right? Like meditation doesn't really work like in the moment, or maybe it does. And right. those of you who meditate probably have strategies for in the moment meditation, but you can't For decide people, to pick it up. You no, know, it, it's like, a pra- it's, yeah, yeah, it's that practice, it's practice so that so that yeah. you have that ability to self-regulate. And unfortunately, you have to do that proactively, like taking a vitamin or like anything right. else that you do as a as a you know a prevent preventive measure um, or a maintenance measure. So if 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 you know this in your soul but you've forgotten it, let let this be your gentle reminder that. If there's ways to take care of yourself proactively, I can pretty much guarantee that yelling yelling will be improved, if not disappear. So, 
Okay, Megan, like many of our listeners, I'm sure I've been doing some spring cleaning in my closet lately, and it always feels so good to get rid of clothes I'm not wearing, things that don't fit or that aren't my style anymore. But you know what I realized? All of my Vionic shoes are always in the keep pile. They just tick all the boxes. They're cute, comfy, high quality. They last forever. And I love growing my Vionic collection, especially with the latest styles from their Vionic Vitals collection. The Vionic Vitals collection offers daily wear styles designed for elegance, comfort, and versatility. We both love the Uptown Loafer, which collapses flat, so it's perfect for travel. The Chardonnay Heeled Sandal, which I know you love, Sarah. The Walk 23 Classic Sneaker, which our team member Katie gets compliments on all the time. And the Willa Slip-On Flat, one of my favorites, which comes in 12 colors for any outfit. Yeah, I need to uh, get the Willa Slip-On Flat. That's next on my list. Well, listeners, if you're ready to try the shoes we're always raving about, use code THEMOMHOUR15 at checkout for 15% off your entire order at bionicshoes.com when you log into your account. That's one-time use only. Bionic Shoes, wearable well-being for your feet. Sarah, our sponsor, Haya Health, makes a kid's daily multivitamin that parents can feel great about giving their kids because they have no added sugars or dyes. And our kids who have tried Haya Vitamins have loved them, which is important, right? Because what good is a bottle of vitamins that your kid won't take? Haya was founded by two dads who didn't like the ingredients label on some of the popular children's vitamins they were seeing on store shelves. So they got to work developing a formula that would help fill the most common nutrient gaps in modern kids' diets. Haya's Chewable Kids Vitamin is made with a blend of 12 organic fruits and vegetables and then supercharged with 15 essential vitamins and minerals. They're also vegan, dairy-free, allergy-free, gelatin-free, and nut-free. Haya manufactures their vitamins right here in the USA with globally sourced ingredients, and then they ship their chewable vitamins directly to your door on a pediatrician-recommended schedule. We've worked out a special deal with Haya for their best-selling children's vitamin. You're going to get 50% off your first order. To claim this deal, go to HayaHealth.com slash MomHour. This deal is not available on their regular website. Go to H-I-Y-A-H-E-A-L-T-H dot com slash MomHour and get your kids the full body nourishment they need to grow into healthy adults. Okay, Sarah. So we're back and we've been talking about ways about losing it um, mm-hmm. with our kids or just kind of losing just losing ourselves in general, which can look like a lot of different things. It can look like yelling. It can look like crying. And here's another way it can look. It can look like just being kind of snarky and sarcastic and petulant and teenager-ish. And man, do I hate when I get in that mode, but I do get in that mode. And my kids have even said, gosh, mom, like, wow, you're kind of mean today. Mm-hmm. And, and when your kids, when your teenagers call you out for acting like a teenager, <laughs> yeah, you know that you've got um, a little bit of a problem. And I think for me, the thing that tends to lead to that kind of petulant sarcasm is when I am feeling um, rushed, uh, maybe like I keep getting interrupted and I'm trying to do something that I probably need to put off till later anyway. Like, you know, mm. like you're on your computer and it's the worst time of day to be on the computer and kids are walking in and out. That's the kind of thing that often will make me kind of petulant and grumpy. Um, Things not going my way, lack of sleep, being overtired, Mm -hmm. being hungry. Like there's lots of things that lead to that. And it won't necessarily ever, it won't ever necessarily boil over into a yell or a a cry. Right. I'm sure I'm not pleasant to be around when I'm like that. 
Well, let me jump in too, because I feel like this is a new one for me. And I think it's because as your kids get older, they get a little sassier than themselves. And there's this like baser nature that we have where it's like, fine, if you're going to talk to me like that, why why should I talk to you any other way? Which is like terrible parenting. Don't do that. But like, that's, that's what our inner, like, that's what our baser selves are saying. And so this is like newer to me, but I definitely do this. And I think you can also do it to your co-parent or your spouse. Like I was a very, um, I was like this as a teenager myself. I was very sarcastic and very, um, kind of like an angry, angry, but without yelling. So just like a very eye rolly. And I feel like that comes back out. And sometimes it can be directed at the other adult in your house or just at the world. Like, fine, I'll do it myself. You know, like, and and I, I've seen it. a teenager when you just said that. That yeah. was hilarious. Yes. Yeah. So oh my it's, gosh. it's real. It's real. Well, and I find myself saying things to my kids like, huh, I guess next time you want me to do something nice for you, I just won't do it. I have found myself saying oh, like, do that literally too. those words. And then I'm like, come on, Megan. Like, I mean, and William will even, he, he calls me out. He'll be like, oh, are you trying to guilt trip me, mom? And I'm like, yes, I am. I am like right now I'm guilt tripping you. That is legitimately what I'm doing. So one thing I think that has helped me recover is just to find the humor in the fact that like everyone knows I'm being grumpy mm-hmm. and like, like make fun of myself a little bit. I, I think when it's something like that, where you're not yelling and freaking out and, and it's not a scary moment for the kids, it's maybe just a geez, like what's up with yeah. mom? <laughs> I think you can kind of make fun of yourself a little bit and say, okay, guys, I know that I'm, I'm not behaving well. Like my behavior, I wouldn't be okay with you talking to me this way. Um, so I'm going to start again and try to set a new tone and like almost kind of poke fun at myself a little bit that has worked in my house and then also recognize that sometimes kids feelings are actually really hurt by that and they might not show it they may not say you know when you were grumpy like when you were just kind of petulant or sarcastic and biting they're not necessarily gonna say wow mom that hurt my feelings but it may have hurt their feelings so yes sometimes just another check-in or apology is in order um I don't want to go around apologizing all the time for being human Um, Mm -hmm. but sometimes it's warranted. So I don't know. We have other other thoughts about that. Yeah. I'm glad you brought that up because in a weird way, when I am like this, the petulant, sarcastic teenager, I think my kids react more than if I were just to yell, or maybe it's that this is just my MO now. And I used to yell, but I do it when, especially if like I've worked hard for something fun Mm -hmm. and now they're fighting about the fun, like they're fighting about the pool toys or they're fighting about, and I'm like, well, I guess like. I guess we don't need to do this. Like if it's not fun to be at the pool, I guess we just won't go next time. And that is like straight. I, I mean, I hate that I do that, but I do. And they, some of them will cry and just say, mom, we don't like it when, when you do that, because first of all, it's not true. They're empty threats. We are going to go to the pool next time. Right. right? So it's completely useless. Um, but it does make them feel actually really bad. So I, I'm just glad you brought that up that for some kids, depending on the age or just their style, um, they just it might not be a big deal and you can turn to humor. And then for others, it may be it may be hurtful. And so, yeah, I get called out on it all the time. And I guess just uh, coming back to those honest moments in recovery of saying, here's why I feel this frustration and here's what we need. Here's what we need to solve. I, I say that a lot to my kids. So I I am sorry for acting like a jerk. Here's the problem we need to solve as a family. I feel unappreciated when you guys act like jerks. I mean, I wouldn't say that those right. exact words, but like, how can we work together to solve this problem? Um, because it is a problem. And even if the way I spoke wasn't 
ideal, um, there is an underlying problem that we can work together to solve. So yeah. 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 Well, um, that one is that is definitely one that I think the, the older your kids get, the more teenagery they get, the more likely you are to act like a teenager. It just seems like, you know, <laughs> kind of like when they're toddlers, you're more likely to act like a toddler. It's like maybe your, your behavior kind of reflects what, what theirs, I think. So, yeah. Right. And plus, if your kids are really tiny, they're not going to pick up on your sarcasm. Right, so you like, could what? do it, but it wouldn't be as satisfying. Whereas <laughs> right, like my exactly. kids get it and they do not like it. Oh, my gosh. Well, you know, as we were thinking about all this, I came up with a way of losing it that sounds or appears not to be losing it at all, um, but that I have noticed lately. And so I'll just air it out there. And that is like checking out and disappearing when I'm feeling like I just don't care or like I don't want to do it anymore. Or maybe I am feeling underappreciated or overwhelmed. Um, But I remember this is so funny, Megan, in the early years of this podcast, I remember you talking about like sneaking away into your room when it was just all too much. And Mm -hmm. I had little tiny kids. And I just remember thinking, I can't leave a two year old, a four year old and a six year old like they'll burn the house down or like kill each other. Um, but I remember you talking about that, like the the tactic of sneaking away when you need a break. And lo and behold, like I can sneak away now and I do. But sometimes it's in the in service of like truly restorative, take a nap, like mm-hmm. call a friend, but sometimes it's not. And sometimes I think it's more of a mental checkout that's less healthy and productive and almost more of like, the passive version of losing it does that make sense it's like the it's like the inverse yeah how does that look for you like how would how would you know the difference um probably I would not tell anyone in the in the unhealthy version I don't tell anyone I don't even really know why I'm slinking off to my bedroom and then I would probably do something like more mindless and kind of almost like feeling bad, like looking at the news on my phone or like just like more wallowing um, than saying like, hey, I need a break, guys. I'm going to go shut the door and take a quick nap or read my book. Like, I think it's more about like the healthy choices of how I take that break. And when it feels like when when it feels unhealthy, I really think it's almost like the inverse of losing it or yelling at your kids. But instead, I'm like quitting. It's like quitting. Yeah, it's, it's like, like quitting. silently quitting parenting. <laughs> so I'm going to I'm going to offer even another way that this can happen, because for me, if I go through the effort of actually retreating to my bedroom, it's it's because I have re- I have discovered or I have decided that that is necessary and that it would be better for all of us if I were to go, or I just need to, like, I'll have a nap attack. And I'm like, I just need to go lay down like right now. There's no, right. and to me that always feels fine. Like no matter what I do after I leave the scene, I'm okay with it because I know that for me to get to that point, it must have been warranted. Um, right. For me, the unhealthy version would be checking out in front of my kids. Like I wouldn't mm-hmm. even leave the room. Mm-hmm. I would just stop paying attention to anything anyone's saying to me. It would become a lot of, mm-hmm, or like kind of like, again, almost sounding like I don't care or I'm very sarcastic, like I can disappear in front of their very eyes. And that is to me feel when it feels not good. Um, Mm -hmm. Whereas if I'm going to like go to my room and then I've probably made a decision to do that. I think I'm one of those people who will try to stick something out to the bitter end if I can. And sometimes I should have just called it. You know, yeah, yeah. should have just called it and taken the break. And instead I'd be like, oh, I guess I'll just stay here. But there's 
nothing about me that is engaged and nothing about me that wants to be there. And yeah, that's definitely a way of losing it. Um, you've lost your mojo. You've lost your, you've lost the thing that keeps you engaged. And that, uh, that is, can be problematic. I think this is important to talk about in the time of six months into a global pandemic. Um, I'm sure you saw that article that circulated recently about was on Medium, and I will link to it, but it's about our, like, was it called surge capacity? Like, mm-hmm. there's a technical yep. term for your your reserves that you keep, your body and your nervous system keeps, like, a reserves for emergencies, so that when, like, when an emergency happens, like, you have the backup power to go on, even when you're, like, very depleted, and now how six months in, it's not sustainable to live on that, like, surge capacity for six months. It's meant to be for short term and we're now doing it long term. So I think this mental checking out is, I mean, it is like, it's the human equivalent of like when your computer dims the monitor because it, it it can't keep going at full power for 24 seven for six months. So I just think, I don't know if I even have a solution, but I think it's really important that we acknowledge that People everywhere, adults, moms, dads, parents, even non-parents, everybody is having to find very different ways of managing their energy, Mm -hmm. the way they connect with the people who live in their house. And we are in month seven. And that is... That is like nothing. This has never happened before. So um, I think acknowledging that that checking out is going to happen. But maybe we can finish up by talking just briefly about recovery from that. I don't feel good when I mentally check out. It's a different kind of guilt than yelling um, and a different kind of intensity than crying. um, But I feel kind of gross. It's like I didn't it's like I didn't mean to just like mentally check out for an hour. And I have a co-parent in the house with me at all times. And it kind of feels gross in that regard too. Cause I feel like kind of like I just, I feel guilty. Yeah. Like I just, um, and he is so present. And so, you know, he gets to close the office door and work for seven hours a day and yeah. I don't have an office door. So I think that's another part of it is when he comes out, he can be very present. Whereas I'm like always omnipresent and never a hundred percent present. So yeah, I guess, um, for me, one thing that helps in recovery is doing something together that I truly enjoy. So going for a walk together, getting outside, completely putting my phone away, watching a show together that we all really like. It's almost like I need an, an actual activity to jolt my brain into remembering that I do like these people. I am glad to be in this family and I don't need to disappear forever. So I guess that's my, my recovery tip. Yeah, you like re-engage, and I and that is important. And I think it it should be something easy and fun for you that you like. You said that you really enjoy. If your if your attempt to recover is to say, I'm going to go back and clean the kitchen, maybe that's not going to go over as well if you don't enjoy that. I actually really yeah. do enjoy cleaning the kitchen because I find that it's like a way for me to feel like I'm parenting without actually interacting with my kids that much. It's like kind of a weird like little like voodoo mind trick I do or judo mind trick, mm-hmm. whatever that I do on myself where it's like, I want to do something for my family right now, but I don't actually want to talk to them. Ergo, I will clean my kitchen, but not everyone. Yeah, has it uses that your hands. It's a physical yeah. manifestation of your love. Exactly, but but at the same time, it's not annoying because I, you know, because I can kind of putter and and yeah. even if they're coming in and out, it's still my space. Um, but I do think that like enga- re-engaging very deliberately and intentionally is probably the best recovery. But you know what that brings me back to is that 
it is so normal for us to all feel like we have to check out right now when we're all together yeah. all the time that the more proactive and intentional we can be about it before it happens, the better, mm -hmm. I think. So mm -hmm. if you're in a situation where you never feel good about the fact that you're like disappearing to the bathroom or your room, you always feel bad about it, then maybe there's something that can change. Yeah. Um, maybe it's a mindset shift. Maybe it's just accepting that like I need this and it's okay to need this and so that you don't get in that guilt or shame spiral about it. Um, and then you can kind of plan it better. Like if you know yes. that you're going to take a break, you can look forward to that break. Like you, that's something that's for you that you can look forward to. And it doesn't have to be like this guilty thing you fell into. It can be something yeah. you chose really intentionally because you know, it recharges your batteries. And the more you get in front of that stuff, I think the better you feel about it. I, I a hundred percent agree. And I think that's a great, a great place to wrap up. So um, we would love to hear from you all out there. If you have any epic meltdown stories or first day of school crying on the floor stories. Um, if you like more episodes like this, I would recommend our episode on mom fails, which don't all involve yelling at our kids, but many of them do. There was um, a lot of yelling. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And um, yeah, I'll link up a few more episodes from the archives that you might like if this type of conversation was helpful to you. Um, and yeah, we just appreciate you being here. We will be back soon with another all new episode and we will talk to you then. Guess what, Megan? Over 10,000 teens are already using our sponsor, Erica, to help them unplug. That is amazing. Erica, that's Erica with a K, is the social media health app for teens that gives them the tools to unplug whenever they need to for improved health, study focus, sleep, and daily balance. It's so cool how this works to hide distracting apps from your phone at the touch of a button, keeping them out of sight and out of mind without deleting your data. Yeah, you know, teens really get that social media comes with risks, including addiction, and Erica helps them build healthy habits and self-regulation that will benefit them their whole lives. Tell your teens about Erica and save 20% on the Erica family plan with promo code THEMOMHOUR. Go to erica.app and search for plans. That's Erica with a K, E-R-I-K-A dot A-P-P and use code THEMOMHOUR to save 20%. The Mom Hour is brought to you by partners like Chatbooks. Chatbooks makes it beyond easy to create beautiful photo books by importing your digital photos from anywhere, Instagram, Facebook, Google Photos, or directly from your phone. The books come in a variety of sizes with beautiful cover options and binding styles to choose from, and they start at just $15. Plus, we have a great deal just for our listeners. Use code THEMOMHOUR20 to save 20% off your purchase. Just download the Chatbooks app and use code THEMOMHOUR20 to save 20%.